Mothers of nations. And there is none among them more iconic than Cleopatra. I would die for Egypt. What would you die for? I am Isis. I am a god. As long as she's alive, she is the pharaoh. My father's will names me co-ruler of Egypt. Julius Caesar is aware that Cleopatra is one of the best educated women in the Mediterranean. He wants to be king to Cleopatra's queen. There is no future without the past. She was using these relationships with Mark Antony to protect herself and her country. There is no Rome without Egypt. Cleopatra was trying to save the country that she loved from destruction. Did what I had to do to protect what is mine. This is a woman exercising power. Cleopatra was a Ptolemaic ruler. The very first Ptolemy is a general of Alexander the Great. It's possible that she was an Egyptian. I imagine her to have curly hair like me and a similar skin color. I remember my grandmother saying to me, I don't care what they tell you in school, Cleopatra was black. She has become an icon. I am a god, queen of kings. Her story resonates with every woman. That is the trailer for the long-awaited four-part docudrama uh, Queen Cleopatra on Netflix, produced and narrated, you heard her voice there, uh, by Jada Pinkett Smith. Uh, the show stars Adele James, a biracial British actor in the lead role of the famous Queen. Uh, Pinkett Smith has stated that she intended for the series to represent black women, but its uh, depiction of Cleopatra has sparked controversy and a fierce Twitter storm online. In particular, the show has faced backlash from Egyptian experts who argue that the uh, uh, pharaonic leader had white skin and Hellenistic characteristics uh, and was not black. The Egyptian Antiquities Ministry even issued a lengthy statement on the matter with the head of the Supreme Antiquities Council denouncing the show's portrayal of Cleopatra as black as a falsification of Egyptian history. That's uh, a quote, a falsification of Egyptian history. One Egyptian lawyer was so incensed by the Netflix portrayal that he is taking legal action. The controversy then begs several questions, which I hope to uh, to address, unpack in this hour. Who, in fact, was Cleopatra? And what is the underlying cause of this messy debate over her race? How can we balance our modern views on race with the historical accuracy of representing figures from the past? And to what extent can artistic license be used to interpret historical stories in a way that speaks to modern offices, uh, audiences, I should say. Um, so many questions, so little time, but at least we have an hour uh, to unpack some of this. With Dr. Rebecca Fudo-Kennedy, an associate professor of classics at Denison University, who joins us right now to unpack this new Cleopatra controversy in this hour for the rest of the hour. Dr. Kennedy, good to have you on. How are you today? Hi, good. Thanks for having me on. I'm doing well. It's good to have you on. Thank you for your time. Um, let me. Uh, it's hard to know where to start. I've, we put a lot out there. Uh, let 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 me start with this. Um, why, um, year after year, uh, decade after decade, uh, century after century, does this debate about who Cleopatra was and what color she was? Why does this debate continue unabated? So there are a couple of reasons that we can sort of pinpoint. Uh, the first one is, you know, we have this obsession with famous people. Um, 
so there are lots of other people we could have debates over and, and we could continually make movies about and TV series about. Um, but Cleopatra sort of has this sort of mythical status because she was the last of the Egyptian um, rulers um, in the in the pharaonic line before Rome took over. Um, she's very famous. She was uh, had poetry written about her in her own day. Um, so we sort of had this obsession um, with with her. Uh, and we have this need as um, we have this need to sort of lay claim to ancient figures in the past mm -hmm. as a way to shape our modern identities. And I think that is where Cleopatra gets really sort of into that. She's, she's sort of in the in the central zone of that because she actually participated in her own time in numerous identities that have become hot potatoes for modern racial and political uh, political issues. Mm -hmm. So. For, you know, because she's she's a queen of Egypt, she's descended from the generals of Alexander the Great, um, and she, of course, fought Rome. Um, so everybody wants her, mm -hmm. as it were. Yeah, let me take. You said a few things already that that that's, that that are worth unpacking. I'm glad we, I'm glad we had the hour to to, to unpack some of this. <laughs> let, let, let me start with this, and I, I I resonate with this comment that you made. That I want to reference in just a second because I happen to be obviously African American. I've discussed this many times on this program. We discussed it days ago in another conversation about the ways in which Black people lay claim to people. Um, in part because we have been denied, we've been disenfranchised economically, politically, mm -hmm. culturally, socially. So when there when there are persons who have uh, even one drop <laughs> uh, in their blood, uh, we want to lay claim to them. Oftentimes, even when they don't want us to lay claim to them, I'm thinking now of Tiger Woods. We discussed this the other day. Tiger doesn't like being called black, but everybody black calls Tiger black because Tiger's the best out there, has been, uh, was for many, many <laughs> years. That's just one example. There are many others I could point to. You take my point. The, the, with regard to Cleopatra, let me ask you specifically to your point about the fact that uh, we like to lay claim to these ancient figures because it helps in the conversation, uh, helps shape the conversation about our modern identities. In what ways do black people benefit specifically by claiming Cleopatra in your work and your study? Why is it that we are so 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 uh, so intent on claiming her as one of our own? We'll get to we'll, we'll get to who she really was later in the conversation, but I want to follow your point about why we black folk want to lay claim to Cleopatra. So, so I, I think we can start with the fact that she is an she is an African queen, regardless of whatever color her skin was. She was a queen of an African country okay. in, in antiquity. Mm -hmm. Calling it a country, though, is a little anachronistic, so an, an African kingdom, mm -hmm. right? So, so that's the first part of it. Um, this, the second part is it's because she the, there's a response reaction. She has been claimed for whiteness um, since, you know, the 19th, 18th, 19th century. And so as part of this sort of claiming her for whiteness has been an erasure of that African-Egyptian element of her. So you have a reaction to that that, that occurs. Um, and the second, the third part of that is is why Cleopatra specifically, and, and why the need to claim is that as part of this erasure of sort of and the whitening of the ancient Mediterranean in antiquity, it's all built up as part of um, of, of I mean we can call it a white supremacist you know sort of structures, mm -hmm. but. You know, think about, do you remember a few years ago, um, Iowa rep Steve King sort of made a big controversy um, when he uh, went on in an interview and he started talking about how 
um, name one African, you know, contribution to mm-hmm. world civilization, right? And how upset everybody was because he was basically saying there were none. Yep. So that's been the comp- for 200 years there's been an attempt to sort of erase African contributions to world history and to the concept of civilization. And so of course you're going to have people wanting to push back on that and say, no, we have actually made lots of things that are important for civilizational history and that contribute to the modern world, technologies, you know, famous people, etc. So she, she, when you've had sort of hundreds of years of people attempting to take away that past and pretend it doesn't exist, there is an impetus to want to um, reassert that history. Now, whether Cleopatra is the right spot to reassert that history is the, is a question that that I think is why she becomes she's so controversial is because is she the right person to lay claim to mm-hmm. uh, for black for black a black history mm-hmm. and an African history but but that's that's the sort of underlying undergirding it's, it's a sort of white supremacist narrative that is sort of devalued and, and gotten rid of and then European claims on her that have sort of erased her as a as an African queen so I think that's where we sort of why there's such a an interest in claiming her for the black communities. Yeah, I, I teed up moments ago many of the questions that I want to get to in this hour, and we, we're just starting <laughs> to scratch the surface here. Uh, and uh, the, the longer Dr. Kennedy speaks, the more questions she's adding to my list. So we'll talk when we come forward about whether she is the right person uh, to for, for us to lay claim to uh, regarding this issue of these, uh, uh, these historical figures and how they may help us uh, process Uh, Our modern day identities, we'll talk more about who she actually was, the underlying cause of this messy debate, how we balance our views with race uh, in real time with historical accuracy uh, regarding these figures. uh, And to what extent artistic license can be uh, taken in Hollywood by Jada Pinkett Smith and others, whether she was black or not. There's a lot to talk about. And this controversy is brewing, as as I said, all over the Internet, uh, courtesy of this new uh, for our docudrama, Queen Cleopatra, uh, running right now, appearing right now on Netflix. A great deal more to get to with Dr. Rebecca Futo-Kennedy when we come forward on KBLA Talk 1580. Ms. Our guest in this hour is Dr. Rebecca Futo-Kennedy as we talk about all of the, the drama surrounding this uh, docudrama, Queen Cleopatra, a uh, four-part uh, docudrama now running on Netflix, produced by one Jada Pinkett Smith. Uh, produced and narrated by Jada, I should say. Uh, and this controversy um, uh, in, uh, rages. It has for, for decades, uh, for centuries, it seems. Uh, and uh, here we are once again uh, in a dialogue with Dr. Kennedy uh, about why Cleopatra. So before that, that break, you, you raised a, a fascinating question for me that I've added to my list of things I want to interrogate you about in this hour, Dr. Kennedy. And that is, uh, that is whether or not Cleopatra is the right person around which to be having this conversation, this debate, um, whether or not she's the right person uh, for black people in particular to be laying claim to. I assume uh, there's, a, there's, there's a reason why you even framed uh, the question in that way. Uh, so unpack that for me, please. Yeah, so I think we should start by, um, you know, maybe thinking about the, why is she, is she or is she not? It's because this idea of what does it mean to be black in antiquity mm-hmm. um, is uh, this category that we use in the modern day, white, black, etc. They are meaningless categories for Cleopatra herself and for people in the ancient world. Um, so, so we have to start by saying, is this person black? We have to recognize that when we call her black, if she is or is not black, it's because we have decided that, that our modern label is going to apply to her in mm-hmm. some way. 
Um, and I often refer to it as we have to differentiate between capital B black and capital W white, which are the modern constructs versus the lowercase letters, which denote colors that are imperfect translations of ancient words. Mm. Um, so, so if we want to constitute her as someone who is indigenous African might actually be a sort of better way to frame it instead of being black or white. Um, but even there, we don't know, right? So one of the reasons why people try to say that she is the person to claim is because she may have had an, an indigenous Egyptian grandmother or an indigenous Egyptian mother. Um, and so that would put her in the category that would make her less, you know, Greek, as it were, or Macedonian. And I'll I don't, and not to make more questions for you, but um, there's a huge debate that rages in antiquity about whether Macedonians were in fact Greeks or not. Mm. Um, <laughs> amongst the Greeks, like sometimes they wanted to claim them as Greeks, sometimes they didn't. Um, so, so whether or not they constituted Greeks or not is also uh, was a raging debate. Um, so, so these are these are questions. We do know that her daughter, um, Cleopatra Selene, so Jane Draycott has written a, a, a great book, um, another professor um, in the UK on uh, Cleopatra Selene, who was the daughter of Cleopatra. She married an indigenous um, ruler in, of Numidia, a guy named Juba, um, and they did, in fact, have indigenous um, uh, African children who ruled, right? So maybe she's a better famous person to lay claim to in the past as, as they're her and her children as, as indigenous African rulers. Um, but, but they're not famous like Cleopatra. Mm -hmm. so, so, they don't get claimed. so we want to insert these identities on top of Cleopatra that she did claim. I mean, she did operate within Egypt as, as Egyptian. She considered herself Egyptian as well as um, probably Greek and she may have, we don't know, but she may have been granted Roman citizenship, which may have made her Roman. And she may still have adhered to the Macedonianness of her identity. Um, and even she probably had some uh, Syrian in her because their family intermarried with the um, another of Alexander's generals' um, kingdoms that, that they carved out um, in uh, Syria. But she would use these identities to operate in the ancient world, mm -hmm. whatever context she was in, she would operationalize that. So when we decide that she's going to have this modern identity, we basically eliminate her own way of working. Um, and we do so, though, because we just want her so badly because she's famous. But there are other famous queens from antiquity who are more of an indigenous African and clearly indigenous African and explicitly indigenous African rulers. Um, so, so that's why I say, is she even the right person? Yeah. Um, to lay claim to, if the claim is we want to have an indigenous African um, history. So, 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 in your work and research, is the claim? I'm talking specifically now about African Americans, about Black people. Mm -hmm. Is the claim? Yeah. Is the claim? Let me let me frame this the right way. Is 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 our claim, uh, by and large, uh, to her uh, as as Black, born of the fact that she was famous? Uh, or born of the fact that she actually did something that we want to own. Does that make sense? Well, I think, I mean, she, she's not, it's not that she's just famous, but she basically single-handedly sort of took over Egypt at right. a very young age, as a teenager, essentially, you right. know, early 20s. Um, and she basically kind of played Rome for, for, for a long time, mm -hmm. keeping them away, keeping them out of Egypt, figuring out how to maneuver around this massive imperialist military power. So there's a really inspiring story there as well. 
with her that she somehow, you know, she she fended off the great imperial power mm-hmm. of the ancient Mediterranean world. And so it's also an underdog story, yep. uh, as it were. Um, and it's an anti-imperialist narrative, right? So you ha- sort of have that very sort of, um, uh, what, what do I, what's the phrase I want to, the word I want, um, uh, resistance movement yeah. narrative yeah. to her that yeah. I think is also yeah. one of the reasons that makes her so appealing. <laughs> yeah, uh, I, I, I like your phrase. I'm going to go with mine. She was a boss. She was. That's the word I'm going to go with. She was a boss. Uh, I was just I was pressing to see what your answer was going to be, but at the end of the day, that's why we want to claim her. She's a bad sister. Uh, she was a boss. Uh, and if she's black, then she's a black boss, and all the more reason why we want to claim her uh, as, <laughs> as one of ours. Now, have Having said that, let me ask you then, how uh, how am I to read? What do I make of the pushback uh, about this docudrama, uh, Queen Cleopatra, on Netflix by Egyptians in particular, certain Egyptians? Mm-hmm. For those who may have just tuned in, let me, let me re- repeat what I said earlier about this controversy. So the show has faced backlash in Egypt from Egyptian experts who argued that the Cleopatra had white skin uh, and Hellenistic characteristics and that she was not black. The Egyptian uh, Antiquities Ministry issued a lengthy statement on this matter with the head of the uh, Supreme Antiquities Council denouncing uh, the Netflix show's portrayal of Cleopatra as black as, and I quote, a falsification of Egyptian history, close quote. And then I mentioned earlier that there's at least one Egyptian lawyer who's so incensed by Netflix's portrayal, uh, Jada's portrayal of Cleopatra as black, that he is taking legal action. All of that said, Dr. Kennedy, tell me what I am to make of how do I read the pushback about this from certain Egyptians? Yeah, so um, I get a lot of hate mail from Egyptians. Um, not a lot, but I get occasional <laughs> hate mail. <laughs> um, well, so, so I'm both highly sympathetic to the Egyptian uh, position, but I also, again, you know, I want us to be a little bit more historically realistic because the, most of the emails come from sort of Egyptian nationalist groups. Um, most people don't know this, but um, last year, or 20, what year was it, 2021, I think, when Gal Gadot announced that she was going to be making a new Cleopatra film, mm-hmm. that she going to uh, produce and star in, um, there was a huge Egyptian backlash to that. Um, and, for the rec- that and, for the, and for the record, Gal Gadot is, is, is Israeli. Yes. Okay. And so there's a politics to that, of course, because not only is she Israeli, but she was an active and supportive member of the, of the Israeli Defense Force. Mm-hmm. Um, so that has this whole politics, of course, um, in the Middle East. Um, and so, so there was a huge backlash then as well. So this is not the first massive backlash. Um, and it's not necessarily about, and, and this is where I want us to caution that before the, before I start getting the Egyptian hate mail again, is that the reason why this backlash is different is because this one is an explicitly anti-black da- backlash. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is part of the, the desire to separate, you know, this, this phrase that people often use called sub-Saharan Africa versus North Africa. Mm-hmm. That term is actually quite modern. It doesn't appear really until after World War II. And it's an attempt to separate uh, of, 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 Arab, um, e- of Arab and Egyptian and other um, mostly Islamic um, northern African countries to separate themselves off from black, what they want to call black Africa, ignoring the fact that historically black Africans have inhabited the entire continent at all times. Um, so there isn't an element of anti-blackness that feeds into this. 
story. So, so the idea that there were Egyptian, some Egyptian scholars, Egyptian scholars will tell you that there are people of all different skin tones that we would call black today who've lived at all times in Egypt. But there's a sort of a nationalist strand that particularly inhabits um, the uh, some of the cultural heritage um, industry in in Egypt that is very much about wanting to not acknowledge that and to really separate mm. itself off from from that what they would consider black Africa and have it be a distinctive and separate group. Mm. And part of that is uh, because of the history of um, the Arab movement into the region um, and other things. Yeah. So so there's 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 that there's that element also of that modern political element as well. Um, but it's really funny, you know, you keep bringing up this quotation from the person that refers to the quote-unquote Hellenistic characteristics of Cleopatra's face. Mm-hmm. Um, Hellenistic is actually a term used to describe um, art. <laughs> it mm-hmm. doesn't actually refer to what we would consider facial features. There is no sort of standard Greek or Hellen, Hellen, Hellenic is the is the ancient term right. um, or a modern Greek term, Hellenic physical features. Right. Um, so this is this is it's it's a really funny thing. They want to insist and impress upon us that there's some sort of physical characteristics that we know she had right. when she presents herself physically differently, depending um, on if it is it on official coinage that's going to be circulating in the northern part of the Mediterranean. Um, is it on Egyptian iconography for temples? Like she looks different in all of those things right. because all of these different formats have different iconographic standards. So. They they just want they want to also lay claim to it's an interesting dynamic right because they want to reject European imperial power but they want to accept this European nineteenth century European uh, imperialistic narrative I take your point. yeah let, as a way to reject African black African yeah heritage let me ask Does you that make sense? it makes it makes great sense uh, and when we come forward after news traffic and sports I want to ask you about what we do know. Speaking of her physical features, about her phenotype. Do we know anything about her phenotype? We'll get to that. We'll, we'll, we'll set the Hellenistic piece aside. We won't use that word again. I was just quoting them. It's really phenotype that I want to talk about, and we'll get to, to that in a moment here. Let me ask you right quick, though, just in, in, in 20 seconds, uh, to, to confirm that I'm, that I'm processing this the right way. So these Egyptian critics who you get this hate mail from, what they basically are saying is, they want her because she identified as Egyptian, so they don't have a problem with her being identified as Egyptian, just not black, correct? Correct. Okay, got it. Make sure you're on the same page about that. All right, uh, a great deal more to cover regarding this Cleopatra controversy when we come forward with Dr. Rebecca Fudo Kennedy, who you're listening to right now on KBLA Talk 1580. Our guest in this hour is Dr. Rebecca Fudo Kennedy. Um, she is uh, an expert on all things uh, Cleopatra, uh, and I am honored to have her um, as our guest in this hour. We're talking about the controversy, uh, the renewed controversy, the contemporary controversy, there have been many, <laughs> but this contemporary controversy around Cleopatra, given uh, this long-awaited four-part docudrama, Queen Cleopatra, now running uh, on Netflix, produced and narrated by Jada Pinkett Smith, and the internet is on fire, social media is on fire, uh, about uh, this Cleopatra docudrama, and we're back to this uh, age-old question about who she was, and whether she was black or not, and why we're trying to lay claim to her if she wasn't, 
etc., etc., etc. Jada, of course, makes her Cleopatra black uh, in the documentary. Hence, all the all the all the the dust has been kicked up uh, about that. Um, and uh, again, our guest this hour is Dr. Uh, Rebecca Futo Kennedy, who is an associate professor of classics at Denison University. Uh, Dr. Kennedy, I was just saying to JD, my, my producer, I almost went to Denison when I finished high school. I was this close uh, to going to Denison University. They offered me a scholarship, in fact, when I came out of high school. Uh, and um, I ended up choosing Indiana University instead, but I was this close to going to Denison. Um, and uh, so it's my great delight to be in, in, in dialogue with a Denison professor um, in, the, in this hour. Uh, before, before I get to... Um, to uh, the physical features that you raised a moment ago of Cleopatra, um, uh, specifically her phenotype uh, and what we know about that or don't know. I want to go back to this broader uh, issue that you raised earlier. I've been kind of thinking about it as we've been talking about other things in this hour. This has still been in the back of my head, um, something you said earlier in our dialogue, and that is this notion of what it means. So beyond Cleopatra, we'll come to her in just a second or back to her. But beyond Cleopatra, this notion you raise of what it means to be black in antiquity. So let me just ask you point blank, um, since mm-hmm. this, is, this is your field of expertise and your study. What does it mean to be black, a black person in antiquity? So this is this is a real big question. Um, the 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 how do you how do you decide what a black what what counts as a black person in antiquity? Um, if it if it is something that is strictly skin color then Odysseus is black um, when his health is restored to him. Mm-hmm. Um, male athletes are described as black. Um, there's the, it's, it's really about an issue of darkened skin color. Um, if that's what constitutes black, then that terminology is all over the place um, because black is really associated with masculinity. Um, dark skin um, is, is associated with masculinity, um, as, and white skin um, is mostly associated with femininity. It's also um, associated with um, different types of non-elite labor um, or, you know, so blacksmiths are noted for their white skin because they're weak and they don't get to go outside and exercise naked. Mm-hmm. Um, and black or what, what, what the word that translates, we translate as black, which can be translated lots of different ways, um, is basically associated with the sun and sort of environmental impacts of sun on your skin. So, um, like I said, male athletes who are outside exercising in the nude in Greek world, which is a big thing, um, they often are described as having black skin. Odysseus has black skin, but also um, a group that are known as the Ethiopians, right? And so this is where we start getting into the sort of ethnic idea of blackness being associated with an ethnic group. Um, is is they are they're and and this is a, a longstanding sort of discussion about the etymology, but the ancient referred to the etymology as referring to um, people who are, their skin is burnt by the sun. Mm-hmm. So Ethiopians inhabited the hot climates of the se- of the southern parts of the known world. Um, people with laucos or white or pale skin um, had sort of frost-burned skin that inhabited the northern cold climates. And then there were the Greeks and the Romans and the sort of Persians and the Mediterranean folks in the middle mm-hmm. um, who were sort of brown brown-skinned or, you know, sort of in between. Um, so if you're going to go with skin color as a defining feature of what makes a black person, then it, it doesn't only constitute an actual ethnic group. It constitutes lots of different groups. Um, Frank Snowden, in his famous um, research on uh, you know before color prejudice um, and blacks in antiquity, he added in as descriptive features um, hair texture, 
um, and uh, nose shape. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a phrase that's often translated as flat-nosed. Um, but again, we also know that these are not universal characteristics of mm. people. You, there are lots of people who can have um, curled hair um, and even in tight curled hair. There are lots of different people who have different nose shapes. So um, he attempted to use modern racial sort of 19th century, quote unquote, scientific racial categories to, to decide who counted as black in antiquity. Um, but I think that for most of us who work on issues of um, race, we don't use the word race mm-hmm. to refer to phenotype or skin colors or um, those things in antiquity because race is actually a system for categorizing people for the purposes of oppression. It's not actually biological. So we try to avoid mm-hmm. <laughs> associating it with genes and things like that. Um, so, so the question is, what is black in antiquity? Or what is a black person in antiquity? It's a, li- a large range of people. If we want to restrict it to ethnicity, it's anybody who lives in a southern climate. <laughs> Yeah. No, I hear your point. Um, right. So the Ethiopians, Indians, um, Egyptians, um, um, Numidians, Nubians, there's a whole wide range of people who constitute black people that we wouldn't count as black today. Mm-hmm. Right. As well. Got it. So, the, so that's sort of the problem. Um, of, of what it means. No, I get it. Um, thank you for indulging me on that. Um, let me let me let me let me just swing out here wide for a second. Um, since we're talking about, um, I asked you what it means to be black in antiquity. Let me tweak that just a bit and talk about black folk in antiquity, uh, and ask mm-hmm. you this: beyond Cleopatra, and we'll put Cleopatra as obviously one. Uh, but if you were putting together your sort of uh, Mount Rushmore of black. Uh, Black folk uh, in antiquity. Who who else? Who okay. else? Who else comes to mind other than than Cleopatra? I mean, this is a whole. A whole I could open a real serious can of worms here. Okay, um. I, I, I can handle it. I can handle it. My my audience can handle it. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, so there's a whole another fight to be had over Hannibal, right? right? Um, is Hannibal black? Right. Um, is it's a whole another fight. Um, I'm not sure um, that I would throw him in there. But he could have been right um, under. I mean, and, and I guess I'm really apprehensive about answering this question because you're basically asking me to apply this modern category that we call black. So I'll reframe. My, I'll, I'll reframe. I'll reframe my question. I'll make it more broad and, yeah. and, and less oh, specific yeah. <laughs> for you. So if, if, if we were just talking generally about folk who could be black in antiquity, who could be on Mount Rushmore, you got Cleopatra, you got Hannibal. Who else we got? I mean, I would throw Juba in there. Um, I would throw out um, Jagurtha. Uh, so, uh, these are probably none of these people are probably people that you know. Um, <laughs> I think this is part of the problem. Yeah. Um, um, oh God, what, there's a oh God, what is her name? There's a Nubian queen, um, Kandake. Obviously, I think is the sort of big one from right. antiquity. Um, so those would no, be those, my sort of. No, those are those are guns. those are five good ones. I, I, I'm only asking that because we we spend so much time talking just about yeah. Cleopatra. Uh, it, it it seemed to me that if we're talking about black folk in antiquity, uh, oh be, oh, another one. Uh, one of my someone we could we could potentially throw Dido in there. I mean, she's definitely an African queen. Mm-hmm. Um, she's she's fictional. Yeah. Um, she's well, she's mythical. We don't know if she's fictional or real. She's mythical. Yeah. I had the uh, so. I had the great the great artist. She's now deceased, but the great sculptor Tina Allen. Uh, now gone, uh, uh, did for me a bust of Hannibal. 
Uh, and uh, he's definitely black in the bus that she did for me. Uh, and if, if you were in this building right now where the studio's housed uh, and you walked down the hall and took a left uh, in front of my, uh, to my office, uh, you would see a, a beautiful bust of, of Hannibal that sits outside my office uh, in this in this building. So uh, I'm glad you mentioned glad you mentioned Hannibal. Um, when, when when we come forward, I, I want to uh, come directly to this conversation now uh, about phenotype um, and what we do or do not know about Cleopatra's phenotype. We'll do that when we come forward in a moment with Dr. Rebecca Fudo Kennedy of Denison University, who you're listening to right now on KBLA Talk 15. Conversations that matter. You're listening to Tavis Smiley on KBLA Talk 1580. Watching my time, here, a few more things I want to cover with Dr. Kennedy, uh, Rebecca Fudo Kennedy, before we lose her at the top of the hour and for this show wraps for today. Um, let me do this right quick, though. Um, what do we know or not know, as it were, about her physical features, the phenotype, uh, if you will, of uh, Cleopatra? All right. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to push on your question a little bit okay. uh, um, as I answer it. Um, so the first one is, is that we don't know anything <laughs> about it because <laughs> okay. she changed the way that she was represented um, or the artisans who were putting the representation in place was geared towards a specific audience. Um, and it would follow artistic conventions um, for those audiences. If you pick up, you know, a handful of her different coinages, you know, different coins that she would circulate throughout the Mediterranean, she looks different in mm. all of them. Um, and then if you look at her sort of more ritual representations in Egyptian um, formal context, the religious context, she looks differently from the coins. So this idea that we can pinpoint what she would look like right. um, is is just not, it's not going to happen. Um, by the same token, um, our obsession with the idea of trying to figure out what her phenotype looked like as a way to um, decide what her identity is, is a serious problem. Um, same as the um, people who want to talk about DNA. I mean, this was a big problem I had with the Egyptian government statement. Um, our, we, our identities actually don't structure around DNA. DNA has nothing to do with our ethnicity. Um, and race, of course, is not a biological thing. So when we talk about phenotype and we talk about um, DNA and these things, we basically are reifying these really awful 19th century fake science um, as if it was a real way to identify ourselves. Right. And so, so I always try to push back on that that is a categorization because your physical features don't make you Egyptian or American or Greek or, you know, French or whatever. Um, it's, it's, it's a, a lot more than yeah. that. And, and it, we all look there. You know, if you talk about black Americans, where are you going to find standard phenotypical features anymore? And you've never been able to, because everything's always been sort of admixed. Um, we reduce them. We reduce ourselves and our identities to, a handful of things that aren't going to be consistent and are always going to be shared, um, but that aren't actually representative of a race okay. or an ethnicity. So, so uh, we can't know what she looked like. And so for me, as far as I'm concerned, um, when we start talking about and having a fight over that, the sort of physical phenotypical features, right. which are, you know, expressions of, of genes, um, what we're doing is just basically arguing that that race science that has been the source of so many horrible historic traumas in the last three centuries is a valid way to actually talk about ourselves and others. Okay. And, and so I, I like to push against that because I think it's dangerous. 
I, um, I, 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 I feel I feel your push. And when we come forward, I'm going to push back on you uh, respectfully. Okay. <laughs> there, there are two there are two uh, 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 counterpoints that I want to raise uh, primarily because I want to get your take on them. But uh, if you can push on me, especially on my show, what kind of nerve do you have to push on Tavis Smiley on his own show? Well, I'm going to push back when we come forward on KBLA Talk 1580. Interrogating your assumptions and expanding your inventory of ideas. Let's get back to Tavis Smiley on KBLA Talk 1580. Let's get back to Dr. Kennedy on KBLA Talk 1580. Dr. Rebecca Futo Kennedy in the five minutes I have left. Let me push back on her since she wanted to push on me. Uh, okay, Dr. Dr. Kennedy. Um, some, some argue that using terms like black or white in reference to ancient times is not anachronistic, as you said earlier. Uh, because mm-hmm. the ancient world has uh, was very much aware of these physical differences in skin color and ethnicity. Therefore, it is, how might I put it, a, a legitimate part of understanding antiquity to consider these differences in how they impacted historical events. Your response? Um, they did not actually use those categories. They can recognize human physical difference. They didn't call themselves white. They didn't call themselves black. They did not actually equate specific individual sort of big groups with whiteness. No Greek man would ever call himself white, but Europeans claim him as quote-unquote white in the modern period. So that's an anachronism. They didn't actually refer to Ethiopians as black people. They had other characteristics as well. So I would say that we have to be careful um, that we understand that it's okay for us to say that there are people in antiquity that we would now call white. Mm, While also recognizing that they would never call themselves white. It would be insulting to call Caesar or Roman or Greek a white man. Mm -hmm. They would hate it. Um, and you know, is there a black and proud? We don't know. Like we don't have that discourse, um, coming. So, so I would just say like, I think it's legitimate for us to actually look back to antiquity and say, these are people that we would now categorize as X. Yep. Right. Um, and I, and I think that's a totally legitimate way to talk about it because it's important for particularly, um, you know, non-dominant groups in the modern world to find spaces in history where, where they were and have been erased from history. Um, And it's so much easier, right, for, and the big problem, the root rejection that we have of, like, imagining Cleopatra as black, Mm -hmm. um, as my my colleague um, and good friend and co-author, Dr. Jackie Murray, um, always tells me, is that it's easy for, it's it's expected that non-white people in the modern sense would identify, be able to identify um, with white people on screen, but we can't expect white people to identify yeah. with a black actor. And right? that, and that, that's part of that's part of the tr- that that's the tricky part. If I, I can put it that way, that's the tricky part of balancing yeah. balancing our modern views on race with the historical yeah. accuracy of representing figures from the past. Yeah. I digress on that, but your 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 co <laughs> your co author is spot on. Uh, as we said, yep. the, as we said in the black church, amen to her comment, uh, amen. <laughs> uh, so here's my here's my second push. Got uh, two minutes left in this conversation. Here's my second push. Uh, some argue that the question of race in antiquity is important precisely because of modern political investments. Many historians and scholars have used the concept of race to justify uh, inequalities and injustices, and it is uh, essential, uh, they say, to recognize these histories in order to dismantle them today. Put another way, uh, understanding the role of race in antiquity is essential to understanding how modern systems of oppression have created and perpetuated over time. Your response. 
Uh, I actually work on race and antiquity, so I believe this is true, but I don't work on bio-race and antiquity. I work on systems of oppression that are organizing society into hierarchies of oppression. Um, that's what race is. It's the way to force categories mm-hmm. in onto us and force people into categories for the purposes of constructing these hierarchies. So I actually fully agree that we should talk about race and antiquity. Um, and I do want to point out that um, there's a whole group of people who do this work. Um, yeah. I'm part of this work. Um, one of the the big groups, my colleague Jackie um, Shelley Haley, who you, if you watch the Netflix documentary, is in there. Mm-hmm. Um, we're actually all going to be participating in a big symposium um, at SUNY Buffalo um, in the fall in September on Cleopatra and color, on interrogating the racial imaginary um, as a way to basically think about um, how these things all interact. And we were going to we're going to have Black American scholars there. We have Egyptian scholars, Greek scholars. Um, white American scholars, sort of a whole range of people who work on different areas of race right. um, and how we can or cannot actually talk about that through the figure so, of Cleopatra in antiquity, because it's super important. No, it is indeed. So with the 30 seconds I have left, let me close with this. Um, should then Jada Pinkett Smith be subjected to the pushback she's getting uh, because she has chose to represent Cleopatra as a black woman in her series, Queen Cleopatra on Netflix? Absolutely not. We don't know what Cleopatra looked like. And in her own time period, she used her image in whatever way she herself wanted to use it to represent her as she needed to be represented in any context. Why can't we continue to do that today? I'm sure Jada will be happy to hear that. I will send her this clip in case she ain't listening right about now. Uh, (laughs) Dr. Rebecca Fudo-Kennedy, thank you for coming on this program. We appreciate your insights. It was a, a delight to talk to you. Thank you for your time. Thank you so much. My great delight. That's our program for today. Hope you enjoyed it. I certainly did. Uh, Three hours, just like that, gone. Uh, We'll be back tomorrow morning, Lord willing, uh, 9 a.m. to 12 Pacific, uh, to do it all over again. Uh, Until then, it's time to make room now for the KBLA Midday Money Chain. Up next, the Millionaire's Roundtable with Lynn Richardson to be followed by Ahead of the Crypto Curve with Naja Roberts. Old money, new money. Either way, we got you covered here on KBLA Talk 1580. Until tomorrow morning. Thanks for listening, and as always, keep the faith.